0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 316. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, what's up? This week on the show, we'll be talking about Guto Parente's The Cannibal Club. We'll also be talking about someone watching on the watch list going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Happy you're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we can hop right into our review... One quick note, just a reminder: new episode of Say by the '90s is live. We talk about erotic thrillers for over three hours, so Jesus. it's a media, media episode. Highly recommend you check that out. It's it was a lot of fun to watch those movies and to talk about them. Just just a blast. Cannibal Club, Cannibal. For some reason, I always want to call it. I want to call it Cannibal Party. I don't know why.
1: Well, that makes no sense. It's not what it's called.
0: I know, I know. What the hell's but wrong. But for with some you? reason, on two separate occasions, I typed in "cannibal party." Jesus. As I said, this is directed by Guto Parente. I have a synopsis here. Octavio and Gilda are a very wealthy couple of the Brazilian elite who have the habit of eating their employees. Octavio owns a private security company and is a notable member of the cannibal club. When Gilda accidentally discovers a secret from Borges, a powerful congressman and the club's leader, her and her husband's lives are in danger. Kevin, what'd you think of cannibal club? Man,
1: uh, this one's kind of tough because I'm kind of going back and forth on this bad boy. Cause on one hand, I, I should say right from the outset that, I found this to be very surface level. Like there's really no depth to it at all. Once it, you know, early on, it gives you the basic setup, the basic premise. And then that's it. That's just the movie really for the entirety. Um, So on one hand, when I think of it that way, in that, you know, if I just look at this on surface level and just kind of go for it, based on that, like it's decent. It's like a light recommend for me. It's enjoyable enough. Uh, But there is another part of me that I just wished it would have evolved at some point. I just wish they would have built upon like the foundation at the beginning. Like they just kind of leave it at that and that's it. So Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a disappointment, I must say, because I just kept waiting for like something to kind of progress it and take it like to another level, or maybe add like another layer to it or something. And you just, I never got that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty pretty base level. uh you know, it's it, they call it the Cannibal Club, but there's only one scene that actually involves the Cannibal Club. Yeah, the rest of it is mostly following the couple. Yeah. They, so I was kind of thinking that that they would dive a little bit deeper into the minutiae of the Cannibal Club, like how it, this all works and everything. But they don't really get into that. And I also thought, oh, it's a, you know rich people doing this. And then also there's like that scene when we do see the Cannibal Club meeting and there was like that weird intro thing where they brought the couple out that was having sex and then they like f- taped it and then they killed him. And, it, and I was thinking that this was going to be sort of a, uh, maybe they are going to get into a statement about the class system and stuff like that, but it doesn't really go that deep. No. And I mean, it sets that up right from the outset where you have
1: the the couple of Octavio and Gilda where like at a certain point in time, they kill and eat their employee employee and then they get another one you know so yeah it does kind of have that basic um kind of like class issue of you know the rich consuming the lower class but again like that's it there's not a whole lot Mm -hmm. else besides that there's really no nuance to it there's no like deep dive deep look or anything it's just that and yeah. pretty early on, you know that it's – because, like, right off the bat, they kill their employee and eat them. And you're like, oh, okay, so this is this is what they do. I guess they brought they, – they enjoy the Cannibal Club so much that they brought it home. And they do it at home. Because <laughs> they yeah. just can't get him to the, the – Campbell Club doesn't meet enough for Otavio. He's got to do this regularly, all right? So – And of course that happens. So you know that they're going to hire someone else and that this is going to happen again. And either it's going to play out exactly the way it did in the beginning, which would be a very odd choice to end a movie. Or it's going to to go the other way, which for me early on, you know that that's how it's going to go. So I'm just kind of like waiting for that to happen. Right. Yeah, really. Until we got to that point, I can't say that I was overly entertained
0: Uh, for me. It was fine. I didn't have a lot of problems with it, but it also didn't really wow me either. It didn't have any really lasting. It didn't leave a lasting impression on me necessarily. Like you said, as soon as they spend the time uh with the the new hire showing how they sort of pick who they want to be like their new their new groundskeeper person i was like okay well the fact that we're spending this much time in introducing this character and and getting to know this guy there's going to be more to it and like you said they're going to do the same thing and it's Probably not going to work out the the way it did in the opening sequence. Which, by the way, this movie is a lot more violent and graphic than I originally anticipated it being. Yeah. There's some pretty disturbing stuff that happens in this movie.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: I was thinking that this was, you know, on IMDb, it says it's a comedy horror. So I was thinking, oh, this is going to be like one of these kind of silly, like, almost like eating Raul or something where it's a comedy, a dark comedy that has some like horror elements, but it's not that funny. No.
1: And I'm glad you pointed that out too. Cause like, I didn't know that until afterwards when I kind of like looked it up and I I saw it built as a horror comedy and I was just like, what did I watch the right cannibal club? Cause I don't know if it's just a matter of like, you know, maybe I just I don't I can't uh, recognize like Brazilian humor, maybe or you know some sort of like lost in translation type thing. But I didn't really find anything to be funny, nor did I find anything like that I could point out as like attempts at humor. Same, yeah. <laughs> Same, Same. Kind of confused on that one, and I think the the. The biggest issue for me was Otavia and Gilda, they just there's not a whole lot going on with them as people. Like they don't really have any personalities no. and they're not they're not really doing anything. And really all they have or seem to have is eating one of their employees after a while. And that's about
0: it really they do very little to develop those characters. Those characters are just sort of plot devices yeah. more or less. They're, they're not they They don't really do much in the way of personality for those people. And they make them very unsympathetic too. So it's not like we can even, uh, latch on to them as, as people in this. And I think, because you don't from, from the beginning, you don't really care what happens to them, but, and that, that's fine. That would be okay yeah. if their personalities were interesting enough to carry a movie.
1: Yeah, and I think that that was part of, of Parente's comment is that, you know, a lot of times rich people don't really have personalities. They're pretty boring outside of their wealth. Right. And yeah, like it. I get it and it works to a certain extent. But at the same time, like I'm, I I have to sit there and watch it. So, can someone have a personality, please? It would be helpful.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just somebody. I thought that 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 opening scene when they killed the first guy was pretty shocking, though. Um, how that how that all played out, and there was, you know, there's again the the level of graphic sexual violence in this movie is definitely i didn't see that that coming especially the trailer if you see the trailer it's it does sort of market it as a dark comedy yeah
1: yeah i didn't know that the uh the uh an axe would be getting so much work yeah put a lot of work it just seems i well i mean if you i guess they they, they like the the bodily fluids. But it just seems like that is a mess to clean up in your house every, like, month or so.
0: I was thinking about it. Like, they must have some kind of arrangement with this hiring this, like, job service that they use. Yeah, manpower. manpower I mean, <laughs> manpower giving you meat. Yeah, like, because they have to know these these people end up missing. mm mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they don't, maybe they just don't follow up on it. No, nah. but I would think that they would be, if they didn't know what was going on, I think that they would be very concerned that the turnover rate is so high for this job. Like they, I, I, I think like ten, agent, like hiring agencies and stuff would be looking at as a failure on their part. Like I we're they're not probably, finding the I right think, person. For I think it. they're
1: probably getting a kickback every time they're, they're hiring someone, you know. They must. They must. And they're just like, we'll just keep keep feeding them to you. And I mean, the, the second guy, Jonas, played by Z Maria. Uh, man, did he mow the grass like a dipshit?
0: The fuck was he doing? I know, right? I, <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing. Like, he's just standing there and like pushing the mower back and forth on the same patch like what that's not how you do it <laughs> <laughs> you're hired as a groundskeeper like you should know how to mow a lawn what's going on yeah that was just
1: uh, <laughs> i don't know but just that it was a was, very... I don't know if that was was that <laughs> it supposed to be comedy cuz i did chuckle a little bit cuz i was just like this fucking guy what the fuck is he doing it's like vacuuming yeah. the grass that's
0: not how it works I, I, yeah, I thought that was actually really funny too. <laughs> oh man, visually, not a lot to speak of here. It was okay.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah,
0: that's really all. That's really all I have to say. It was it was pretty pretty middle of the road.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. Kind of like going back and forth. Like if I just if I just think of it as, you know, there's just this base level. Cannibal picture with not a whole lot to say. That's all right. It's not too bad, but I don't know. I'm definitely not going to remember this.
0: Oh no, 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 definitely not. All right, let's go ahead and give cannibal club a score. I think I'm sitting at like a five and a half on this one.
1: I think I'm right there with you.
0: Yeah. Pretty, pretty average. Uh, Mm -hmm. if you're looking for a pretty gory, Cannibal movie. Check it out. Just don't expect the comedy elements that it claims to have.
1: Yeah. Mm -mm. It's not there.
0: Cannibal Club is going to be in limited release this week and will be on VOD March 5th. Let's dive into some of what we've been watching on the watch list. Got a couple things to mention this week.
1: Oh, boy. Here we go. I
0: saw Leaving Neverland. Oh, yeah. So, this is the four hour documentary by Dan Reed about Michael Jackson and the two boys who um, alleged that he abused from very early, very early ages. Uh, This is a pretty devastating documentary. Now, I will mention that uh, f- first of all we do have a review up on the site Brooks wrote a review for us so you can read his thoughts the thing is it doesn't really I was expecting this movie to be sort of a bombshell right mm-hmm. like I thought that this was going to crack the lid wide open on this uh this whole Michael Jackson Michael Jackson child abuse thing because th- these are Allocations that have been floating around for literally decades. Mm-hmm. I think it was maybe early nineties or even late eighties that the first claims were made against him. And it was sort of like this thing that everybody talked about all the time, you know, from that, from that moment, just because of how he was with kids and how he seemed to be a child himself and how he sort of designed his Neverland ranch to be like a children's paradise. Mm -hmm. And he always had little boys around him at all times. And so this focuses on the, the two men who claimed that he abused them over the course of many years, like many years and it's hard not to believe what they're saying in this it's it's impossible not to believe it their their claims are so compelling that you come away from this documentary th- like with almost 100% um assurance that this definitely happened that being said again i will say that they don't really dive too much into evidence or anything like that it is solely focused on the two the two men and their story and their relationship with michael and it's not exactly what i expected it's a it's a good documentary it means your pretty standard structure talking head structure mm-hmm. but it's the interviews with the two guys that really make this so compelling. So I would say it is worth a look. Obviously it is a difficult movie, very difficult. They get into graphic detail about what happened to them. And it is at times hard to watch. And this is actually, I watched two documentaries this week, and this is the first, the first that actually gave me a physical reaction. Like, it's rare that movies in general will give me like a physical reaction, but this, this movie like, like made my stomach like feel like it was in knots as I was watching it. Mm. So I recommend leaving Neverland, but just know that it is it's a hard movie to get through. It is four hours long, which I'm not sure that. So it's going to be out on HBO March 3rd and 4th. And it is, so it's broken up into two parts. So it's not like you have to sit through the whole thing at once. They did break it up and I'm not sure it had to be four hours long, but they really go into depth about not just the, the, abuse that occurred, but just the relationship that these guys had with Michael Jackson and the adoration that they had for him, even as he was abusing them. So it's, it's really interesting in that way as well. But anyway, like I said, March 3rd and 4th on HBO, leaving Neverland. I watched the
1: documentary as well. Going, going hard yeah. on the docs the last couple of weeks, it seems like the two of us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I I watched um a documentary called Kenesa Makambo from directed by uh Dayudo Hamadai and this is this is something else. So this is uh a couple years ago, well over the course of several years in the Democratic Republic of Congo. He goes and it first starts off with one activist who is in exile in New York, and he returns to Congo to kind of take up the fight again. So he follows him around. There's another guy that just gets released from prison where he was tortured. So he it follows him around a little bit. And then there's another guy that's kind of like a, a party activist working for one of the the political parties. And He kind of follows them around. So the three of them follows them around a lot of demonstrations and it's just handheld footage. He's just right in the midst of everyone, just like marking, marching down the street, uh, having these confrontations with the, the police and the military. Uh, people are getting shot at plenty of people die. Um, they're throwing tear gas, like all this stuff is happening and he's just right there. So like when the crowd disperses and they run, he runs and it's just this it's very chaotic because again it's just it's handheld footage so everything just goes you know nuts because it's just him running with a camera and you can't figure out what the hell's going on so there's this this really great sense of unpredictability and confusion and danger because you can't really tell what the hell's going on you have no idea really what's happening so there's a lot of Outside of that, there's a lot of like organizing footage, these people meeting, um, having their secret meetings and kind of organizing their marches and their demonstrations and their plans. So the 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 president, his term is over or his term was over and they were supposed to have these democratic elections and he just keeps pushing them off and pushing them off and pushing them off and he's staying in power. And, you know, it's been like two, three years where they haven't had any elections and Everyone's kind of getting restless and wants him to get the hell out of there so they can elect a new president. And there's this footage where like one of the guys is shown in this kind of um, garbage dump area and he's like picking out bottles here and there. And then, you know, a little bit later, I'll show him at home, like washing just hundreds of plastic bottles. And you're never quite sure, like, what what's he doing but then, like, towards the end of the movie, he meets with these, like, pretty much teenagers and, like, young 20-year-olds. And they're planning to to be out in the street for, like, three days. They feel like if they can just occupy the streets for three days and hold on, that they'll oust the president. So here he made, he cut up all these bottles and put, you know, like, rubber bands on them to create, like, a little gas mask. For all these people, just like hundreds and hundreds of bottles for the tear gas. And then you find out that what you use is or what they use is butter. Like if you smear butter around your face, like all over your eyes, just thick plops of it, like around your mouth and stuff like that kind of protects you from the tear gas. Hmm. Like It's just it's, it's pretty incredible, Doc, just like the access that you're given to this. Cause he's just, he just grabbed a camera and just went in with him.
0: Interesting. And what's the name of that again?
1: Uh, Saw Makabo. How did you see this? I saw this on festival scope. Unfortunately, okay. hopefully at some point now I did read like the, the one that I watched was like a 73 minute cut, which was like what he wanted. And then I think there's like a 50 minute cut for Al Jazeera And then maybe, like, another 50-minute cut for, I forget what other, like, news agency. So there's a couple of different cuts out there in this movie.
0: All right. That sounds interesting. I might have to give that a look. The other doc I saw was Free Solo. Oh, yeah. This is one that, yeah, came out last year. And this is nominated for uh, for an Oscar. It got nominated for a lot of stuff. It was nominated for an Independent Spirit Award. I was semi-interested in this, but I just didn't, for, for whatever reason, I just didn't get around to it until this week. Um, it's directed by Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai vassar and it follows this guy named Alex Hon- Honnold, who is he's a free solo climber, and he is getting ready to attempt to climb El Capitan, and that is a 3,000 foot high climb. And he's, if you're not familiar with free soloing, it's climbing without ropes or any kind of gear really to help save you if you fall. So one mistake, you're dead. That's, that's all, that's all there is to it. And these uh, free solo climbers, I mean, they die every year, every year you hear about free solo climbers, uh, falling and dying. And the documentary just follows him as he prepares to do this climb and sort of the preparation that goes into it. So he, you know, maps out the whole route and then he will climb it with ropes and like practice specific sections like over and over again until it's all just like muscle memory. He's just on autopilot. And it is a thrilling documentary to watch. I mean, it is so suspenseful. This is the other documentary that I watched this week that gave me a physical reaction during one of his climbs. Mike, my palms became sweaty because I was just so nervous for this guy. He's not a particularly likable dude, but it, it's still pretty incredible to, to watch him do these climbs and really scary, really intense. And the, the camera work is really excellent. Like, so they, they have drones that they use. They have um, a set of guys who will climb like above him and below him and to the side. And then they also will climb up to certain heights and then mount cameras on the mountain so you can get all the different angles and I thought that that was one of the more impressive things is the f- the idea that they were able to capture this in so many different angles so you can really feel like you're climbing up there with him. Yeah, that's nuts. And it was, it was really impressive. Yeah, it's really impressive. So I would highly recommend checking out Free Solo when you get a chance.
1: I would like to point out that like free solo climbers and especially this guy to me it is just, just about the dumbest thing I can think of. <laughs> a lot of, yeah.
0: <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people think that, and he comments on it in the movie as well. It's, you know, you have to have a certain mentality and it, the, so he goes in the movie, he goes and gets a cat scan done to check out his brain to see what's going on and they found that his amygdala only gets activated in really extreme situations so it almost seems like he's uh like uh, he has to do it I, I don't want to say like on the, it's like I don't I don't know if I would say he's like seems like he's on the spectrum or anything but he it takes really intense situations for him to get like emotional reactions with things. And this is what triggers it in him. So yeah, he's a little crazy. (laughs) He's going to die at some point. Uh, Maybe. I mean the way that it ends, does he die in the movie? (laughs) No, no. uh, I can safely say no. I guess, I guess they wouldn't
1: release it if he died.
0: I don't know maybe I don't know if they would or not they they actually talked about that I mean that was something that they planned for as well like they had a game plan set up if he did fall because in in his practices he falls twice and the first time he has a small fracture like on his I think it was in his back is a little like compression fracture i think they said it was jesus christ and the second time he falls he just sprains his ankle he fell like 50 feet and he sprained his ankle
1: what a dipshit
0: and those were like those were like the first two times that he ever fell so yeah very intense well worth a look listeners might not know this but we were planning on watching a
1: second movie and covering a second movie but that all got thrown out of the window because last night my wife wanted to watch the new Suspiria, which uh, I didn't know. Oh, okay. I didn't know was like under three hours long. I forgot about that tidbit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and man, oh, why? Why is it so long? It doesn't make sense to me. It's, it's bizarre because, you know, it's about two and a half hours long, a little bit more, I think. And honestly, what I remember from this movie, I think takes up about, like, 20 minutes. Like, I'm not sure what all that other time was devoted to. I, I can't seem to remember either. It's very bizarre. I mean, you have to
0: remember a- <laughs> what happens at the end.
1: <laughs> yeah, which, man, let, okay. So, in a lot of ways, I now, I'm not a huge fan of the original, right? I Like, I don't hold the original Suspiria up as like some sort of masterpiece. So I was kind of indifferent to the, the Suspiria remake. I wasn't overly excited or really interested in seeing this, but you know, what the hell I'll take a look at it, especially because I heard, you know, some good things about it. And I think in a lot of ways I found it better than the original, but a lot of ways too worse than the original. Uh, The main thing being, It's just, it's so colorless and just so drab. Everything's just like fucking gray and slate and tans. And it's just, it's kind of, just kind of puts you in a down mood to begin with. The cinematography is this weird mixed bag too, where a lot of it is pretty fantastic. A lot of great camera movements and the way in which they, you know, film the architecture, and especially around, like, the Berlin Wall and everything. But you mentioned the ending, which the ending is pretty bad shit and pretty wonderful. At least it would be wonderful if they didn't do this weird, like, 90s industrial music video slow motion blurring bullshit that they do, which to me just made it look ugly as fuck. Like, it just just completely killed it for me you know you're going around and heads are exploded and yet it just looks like kind of
0: looks like shit
1: i don't know like it was like a tool video or something
0: i yeah uh I, you probably don't remember back when i first talked about this but i also had an issue with the cinematography saying that it was a mixed bag like some of it is fantastic but some of it is just like what the pretty fuck? ugly what the
1: fuck are you doing and I guess, I don't know if this is a way in which you're kind of masking your effects work, I guess. I don't know. But it just, like, it looks terrible. And how did you see that and be like, yeah, I, this looks good. I like this.
0: I thought the effects work was pretty shoddy there at the end, too.
1: Yeah. It's just, I, I don't know. I actually thought, and I, you're right, I can't really remember a whole lot of what you, what you said you about Suspiria but I, I vaguely remember talking about Tilda Swinton and her her playing the, the doctor the old man her and her old man makeup mm-hmm. like that was actually shitty like she did not do a good job <laughs> that was not a good performance <laughs> like right off the bat I'm just like well that's not an old man like the way he moves <laughs> that it's not natural at all like this is why don't just have an old man I don't just seemed completely unnecessary. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> and I'm also just, I'm trying to put myself in this situation. Let's say I'm a, I'm a young woman and I go to Berlin to be a part of this dance company. And I, I'm starting to have this sneaking suspicion that they're, they're, they're a coven of witches. I don't understand why getting so worked up and being afraid and stuff. Like, To me, I would just instantly be in. I'd be like, yes, I want to be a part of your coven. (laughs) Let me be a witch, please. This would be fucking awesome. Like, I don't know why you would run from that.
0: Well, ultimately, she embraces it.
1: I did like that little, that little, uh, because I was starting to think it. I was like, man, I really hope that this goes this specific way. And then it does. And I was really excited. Mm Mm-hmm. But then it just—it immediately was followed by just really ugly visuals.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it seems like you thought it was a little bit of a mixed bag. Like you were.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a little
0: middle of the road
1: on it, maybe. Yeah, because there's there's certain aspects of it that like I liked a lot. I really truly enjoyed it, but like every time that that happened. It it seemed to be immediately followed by something that I did not like and it just actively Yeah, it's
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. It's it sounds like you had the same reaction that I did, where there were a lot of things that I liked a lot about it, and then some things that I just thought were a bit rough.
1: Yeah, and it's just and it seemed to follow that too. Like anytime I would kind of like sit up in my seat, like, oh hey, hey, I like this, this is now we're going. And then, like, as soon as I did that, it was just immediately followed with, like, something that's just like, why the fuck are you doing that? She just took all the air out of the room. All right.
0: And that is the new version of Suspiria. I saw one that I can't recommend, and that is Gaspar Noe's Climax. This will be the last (laughs) movie I discussed this week. Uh, the, the, The tagline here says... It says, birth and death are extraordinary experiences. Life is a fleeting pleasure.
1: Shut the fuck up, Gaspar. God.
0: Jesus. He knows one of these directors where I don't know if I've... In fact, I do know, actually. I've disliked every one of his movies that I've seen. I've seen almost all of his movies. I think his debut is the only one that I have not seen. I saw Irreversible, Enter the Void, Love, and now this one. And I did not like climax at all. It I, I told you yesterday, it's an hour of dancing, and followed by thirty-five minutes of screaming. End of movie. <laughs> there, <laughs> at least it's short. Are, it's only an hour and a half. Yeah. The, so there's like s- there's some moments of like conversation. So there's this like sort of maybe ten minute sequence where it just jumps back and forth between so to set back the the plot involves a group of dancers who are all hired for this performance and after their like maybe third day, I think it might be their final rehearsal so they've been like rehearsing for three days they do their final rehearsal and then they have a big party um, to celebrate and it's like in this sort of weird warehouse thing, it's like a, it's, a, it's almost like an abandoned factory or something. And they all have a party to celebrate. And it turns out that this sangria that they're all drinking was laced with LSD. So it starts off pretty normal. You have this pretty long and really well shot choreo- uh, choreographed dance sequence that's that they did all in one single take. Really good. That was impressive. And then it's followed by them sort of mingling at the at this party. And you realize, like, I don't care about any of these people at all. Like, they're all just every single one of them. So we jump back and forth between these conversations. And they're all just talking about hooking up with so-and-so. And it's just so grating it's like I don't care that this guy wants to hook up with all of these women and and it's just oh, I, I just couldn't wait for that to be over and, I, and it's like 10 minutes long and then they realize oh no we've been drugged so they all start <laughs> to freak out and then the drugs kick in
1: please, please tell me please
0: tell me that that's how it happens <laughs> everyone just looks up and they're like oh no we've been drugged um sort of well like what what happens is they they all start to feel weird and then they realize like oh no somebody spiked the punch and then like one of the dancers just walks out into the middle of the dance floor and pees on the floor Mm -hmm. and then they're like oh no something something's (laughs) not right here and they all start to freak Mm -hmm. out and then the drugs kick in and then they all just lose their minds and some bad things happen to people. And as I said, there's a lot of like running through halls, screaming, and then the movie's over. And no, he does some interesting things with it. Like some of the camera work is excellent. Like I'll give him that, but then some of it is horrible to the eyes. Like there's this one scene where everything is upside down and, but it's, it's upside down, but it's also like on the floor, like the cameras on the floor. So you can't really see what's going on at all. And it happens like five minutes that this is happening. And you're just like, "Ah, this is all pointless because I can't, it's upside down. Everything's red. So it's like black and red and it's just pointless. Like none of it is usable. (laughs) Like I don't understand how he could be watching this in the editing room being like, yep, this works because it doesn't it just doesn't work at all there uh, are there's are some good performances in here Sophia butella's in it and she she's really good in this but ma- mainly because she just she's like running around screaming but you can tell that she really she she, she put her all in it she's fully committed to the to the screaming there's just nothing There's nothing about this movie that is in any way like, yeah, that was great. I want to see that again. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, you know, I've I've said this before and I I think that no, I think he makes movies that he doesn't want you to like his movies. Like he makes movies that are intentionally difficult for the viewer to be, to like.
1: Yeah. I think he's single handedly trying to ruin cinema. Like if you are someone that's like, <laughs> I like movies, I like films. It's like he he overhears that and kind of is like, Hey, do you really? How about you check this film out, and see if you like it anymore? Yeah, I remember when on Twitter, like his little—I don't know if it was the trailer or a clip. You know, I'd be like scrolling through, and it would be like it's autoplay, and it was of, I guess, like the dance thing. And I just found it so unappealing and just insufferable. And I didn't know what it was at first until I realized that it was climax, And I was just like, okay, that makes sense. But I just remember like seeing like that, that small clip and thinking who wants to see this? Like, who is this for?
0: Yeah, it's, it is insufferable. This movie, the, So I said that the opening dance sequence was good. That was, that was fun. First of all, I would say the the movie opens with these like interviews, these like taped interviews with all the dancers and there's a shitload of dancers in this movie. Mm -hmm. So you have like 10 minutes of just interviews with these people, introducing them as if we're going to remember any of these people really. And it's completely inconsequential to, to the movie. It just seems like it's filler. So like that happens. And then like the, the dancing happens, like the title cards are all over the place. Like the, after the interviews, there's like the dance sequence and then like the end credits happen. And then 45 minutes in, you just see these like in all different fonts, like all of the actors who are in the movie and then all of the music like all the musical performances who are in the movie. And then it's just, it's all over the place, which is pretty typical of his movies. And some of it, some of it worked. There's also another really somewhat cool sequence where it's another dance sequence where the whole thing is like an overhead shot and they're like in a circle and they're like dancing one at a time in the middle of the circle and it's pretty cool. It goes on way too long though. Yeah. Yeah, I cannot recommend climax. I would say it's probably his most accessible film. It's not like there's some horrible stuff that happens in it, but it's nowhere near the same level as his other movies. But, <laughs> it, n- but no, not 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 for me.
1: It almost
0: sounds
1: like The worst thing?
0: I don't think it was worse than his other movies. (laughs) Okay, like, I mean, I really hated. Like, I hated Enter the Void, and Enter the Void was love garbage. I don't remember too much about Love, other than obviously the the sort of graphic sex scenes. Yeah, and Irreversible is a movie that you just can't wash out of your mind. So I can't recommend that either. Yeah. It sucks because I think that the guy has a really good eye, you know, for the lens. I think that he does a lot of really creative things in his movies, but it's just that he's so confrontational with the audience that it's impossible to like what he does. (laughs) If you could just tone it down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people seem to be into this one. I just, uh, there's no way I can recommend it.
1: No, that sounds god-awful.
0: Yeah. Uh, Climax is playing in limited release right now. Okay, let's talk about some new releases in theaters. This week we have Captain Marvel coming out. It's a biggie. Uh, what uh, do you think about Captain Marvel? Like, no interest. No interest. A mild interest. Mild Looks like it could be pretty fun. Apparently,
1: the cat steals
0: the show. (laughs) Alright. See? I guess. (laughs)
1: Tell me about the cat. If you see it, let me know about the cat.
0: I will report back on the cat. We have Gloria Bell. We have I'm Not Here. I feel like there's a a lot of movies Mm -hmm. called... Like, I'm not here, I'm not there, whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, We have The Kid.
1: A lot of movies named The Kid, too.
0: Yeah, that's directed by Vincent D'Onofrio, I believe.
1: Oh.
0: It's a western with uh, Dane DeHaan and Ethan Hawke.
1: Okay. Interesting.
0: Yeah, it's got a pretty bad poster, but not necessarily. Doesn't really mean anything for the... Movie, per se. And that's pretty much it for theaters. Damn. Yeah.
1: Nobody wants to tussle with Captain Marvel.
0: Yeah, they're all giving giving her a wide berth.
1: Especially the cat. Let's see
0: what happens on VOD this week. We have a 100 yards. How far would you go for a second chance? Mm-hmm. Would you go a 100 yards? Is that from... I thought that was two separate titles. Is that what the, the thing is That's for? That's the tagline for 100 Yards. Starring Sean Patrick Flannery. Is it a football movie? It is a football movie. But it also looks uh. like it could be... It looks like it's very likely that it's a one of those faith-based movies. Yes. We have Boy Band. It's a comedy about uh, some older... Older gentlemen, they're like they used to be in a boy band, and they're like getting it back together or something. Wonderful. Yeah, is that faith based? Uh, No, (laughs) we have the house. That's a horror movie.
1: (laughs) Every movie that you announce, that's going to be my follow up question. Is it faith based?
0: (laughs) No, it's definitely not. We have cannibal, Uh, the Cannibal Club coming out on VOD. Is that faith based? It. I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> we have a movie. We have a movie called Something coming out. That's. Uh, oh, looks that's, like another horror movie. That's a terrible title. Mm-hmm. Uh Juanita coming out on Netflix. We have okay. Cradle of Champions. We have Walk, Ride, Rodeo coming out on Netflix. I was telling you yesterday, I'm now actively researching Netflix releases. So our VOD calendar, in theory, should have all of the releases, including the like surprise drops. So they should be on there ahead of time now. Yeah, I'm not waiting for Netflix to contact me anymore. I'm just, I'm doing the legwork because I'm tired that's of it. having these they, things just pop up. That's how they want it.
1: They're making you do the work.
0: Yeah, yeah. See how they got you, man. You fell right into that. You know, I just got tired of being like, "Oh, that's on Netflix." I had no idea. All right, Blu-ray. This week, we have Creed Two. I have not seen Creed One or Creed Two. I've heard nothing but good things. Creed One was all right. maybe, Maybe I'll need to revisit them. We have the favorite. Coming out, oh, hell yeah. highly recommend. Highly, highly recommend.
1: Yeah, I am bummed. I number still one seen movie this. of
0: 2018. Need to get on that. I
1: Yeah. you know, I'm <laughs> the best.
0: Uh, let's see. The Craft is coming out. I believe that's a Scream Factory release. The Craft from 1996. It is nice. Might pick that up. Burning coming out. Another very. Very popular movie of last year. Mm-hmm. I would also recommend checking that one out.
1: No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked, liked sleep torn at shit. Yeah, like no,
0: it all. I didn't. know. <laughs> I liked it. It's worth seeing. I just didn't love it as much as everyone else. Simple as that. Okay, oh, all right. I love this this narrative that's formed over my opinion of burning.
1: You hated it. You fell asleep for like an hour and 45 minutes. You barely even saw the movie.
0: Oh, God.
1: It's part of your cleaning canon. Maybe that you watch <laughs> while <no>. you're cleaning.
0: <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. Vox Lux is coming out. That's the Brady Corbett one with Natalie Portman. It's okay. <laughs> Instant Family. That's the... Mark Wahlberg comedy. Oh, yeah. Shout Factory is releasing California from 1993 with uh, Brad Pitt. Remember that one? I do. Juliet Lewis, I believe. Yeah. I remember really liking that movie when I was younger.
1: I bet you don't like it anymore.
0: That's what I'm thinking. I have a strong suspicion that I no longer would like that movie. Ben is back. Coming out. Oh, That's ben. the... Julie Roberts. That was okay. That was
1: pretty good. He's back in town. Ben's back.
0: He is. He is back.
1: For good. Or is he going to leave again?
0: Mm. Mm. Watch the movie and find out.
1: (laughs) No, thank you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely not one for you. No. Welcome to Mercy coming out. That's a horror movie. The Mercy is also coming out. Ooh, double feature. Yeah. From 2017. Dead Ant with Tom Arnold coming out. Oh, man. And that's pretty much it from what I'm seeing on here. Do we have any criterions this week?
1: We have exactly zero criterions. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, the good thing is there's a lot of other really solid releases coming out, so I think that... Keep you busy. There you go. Yep. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net, at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rickstraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.